and welcome to the sanctuary a safe space to speak from the heart it's been two almost three years running since i've been trying to talk to this guy <laughs> but i'm finally happy to have ryan veltmeyer the executive director of youth art connection in the sanctuary today thank you so much for coming on the show yeah thank you so much for being here israel it's, um, i'm so glad we made it happen yeah um let's talk about you our connection why did you decide to start it uh well we were uh, myself and then the uh, my co-founder and denny we were working doing a lot of working community with youth um i worked at the public libraries and at the hartwood center for community youth development we're running summer camp leadership programs um and then also the, my other life was uh, being a professional musician playing in lots of bands and touring playing trombone and various and singing um and yeah and, and uh, so we started doing arts-based programming with youth after school and that kind of thing in part just because it was my interest and my passion uh in part a bunch of but it life kind of like leads you down these paths that you never really understand where they're going so there was this radio project thing we did at the library and then I met an incredible woman named Sabina Fells, who um, was running an arts-based after-school program and pulled me into that. And uh, I helped her put it together. And she mentored me into this whole world of really focusing on arts-based um, work. I mean, all those things for me kind of all mixed together uh, eventually to come up with this idea of um, an arts-based uh, not-for-profit, working with youth who uh, have a high degree of talent uh, but maybe face uh, whatever number of barriers, right, to being mm -hmm. able to really realize mm -hmm. their talent, realize all of their potential. Um, th and those barriers are many. I mean, even just as a musician, as an artist, like I think we live with so much stigma around our earning potential and what we could become and why would you do that? And starving mm -hmm. artists, there's, there's all these ideas around being an artist from the get-go, you know, and then add on any other kind of uh, stigmas and barriers and stuff on top of that. And you have all these amazing creative people who are ready to change the world and ready to do just incredible things who are misunderstood or, or unappreciated by society. Mm -hmm. um, I think feeling a little bit of that myself. Um, and then otherwise, you know, we've, uh, we were always so focused on youth engagement, that, which I learned a lot about at the Hartwood Center and at Y Camp growing up, where, where youth matter, you know, just because you're 15 doesn't mean you have to sit around and wait around for your whole life till you grow up mm. or go to school or something like that. Like young people have a lot to contribute right away. And if you, you know, in a, and we were really all about like recognizing that existing talent in 15, 16 year olds, not just looking, waiting for them to become 30 after 10 years of study <laughs> or you know, yeah. to value them then, but value them now and collaborate with those young people to take advantage of they're really great ideas and their lived experience and all that knowledge, mm. you know, to bring it together with artists and change makers and business people so they could really, you know, begin being a productive and contributing member of society now and, and mm. see themselves mm. like that and see others like that. Um, anyway, there's a lot of other reasons all intersecting. Um, and we had some great role models that we met um, in Toronto at a conference with the Arts Network for Children and Youth. I met the Remix Project, the Mikiao Jean Foundation. I found out about um, uh, Artscape in Toronto. So there's all these like arts-based youth and community organizations in Toronto and other parts of the country. Mm -hmm. um, but I hadn't really seen the same thing here. Um, 
we had like some like El Jones who was doing a lot of work with youth and poetry and Sobaz Benjamin, same thing with videography and film. Um, and there's an, 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 a circus circle doing circus stuff with youth and street engaged youth. So there, we had a bunch of small examples of it here, but I didn't really realize what was possible in the, how big this world actually is until I saw it in Toronto. And then I, I think once I saw that, I was like, came back to Nova Scotia. I was like, okay, I want to do that. Like I, I finally found something that really, really felt like me and brings all my worlds together. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I think I had to kind of see that in order to understand or, or recognize. And it just was so exciting. Like, oh, my God, I can work in community and work with young people and engage with them with all their brilliance and do it all with arts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that was it, it's a long it was, I'm trying to keep it short, but I already talked for five minutes about that one question. <laughs> but, uh, no, man, like, I mean, the, the impact. So yeah, the impact that Yuda connection has, like over the years, is is visible, and and like you know, um, there are different programs like the Hub, Emerge, um, Entrepreneur. Uh, how do you decide what programs to create, and what is the process of creating some of these programs? Uh, yeah, so our four core principles, like everything, kind of runs off of those. I think for us at Yeah, um, and so the first one is youth engagement. And then that's uh, innovation and, and youth engagement means listening to youth. And like, so, so a lot of the ideas, for example, for art printers, that came from young people who were working with in other contexts saying like, I'm broke or I can't come to programs. So I got to go work at Starbucks all day or like whatever, you know, version of, I need money, you know, and we watched them like struggling and we, we had relationships with all these young people and knew that, you know, they had this passion, this talent and, you know, willingness to like, to push it and maybe maybe even make money from it or just have a life with you know using all their artistic skills mm. um, but they just lacked kind of an understanding or a knowledge of how to operate as a professional artist and we were both professional musicians they're founders so like I knew how to do that and I was like oh like I'd learned the hard way how to be a professional musician <laughs> and I was like oh man we, like if these guys figure this out if we can explain to them and help them understand how do you make money now mm. they can learn entrepreneurial thinking in that approach and see themselves mm-hmm. as entrepreneurs and business people as well as artists. So, um, exactly. but a lot of us, are, when we're artists, like we really don't, we're averse to that idea, this idea that we're a business, you know? So a lot, honestly, a lot of it is just really about like recognizing that there's different ways to do business and there's different kinds of business. Like there's like really small, cool values driven businesses. And you can be like that. You don't have, and like an, most of us artists are that, you know, whether we want to use this word or not. Um, we're not all Walmarts, right? We don't all have to be big neoliberalist constructions or something like that, right? Like we can be beautiful, small sole proprietorships and you play mm-hmm. on the side of the street, put out a hat and someone's chucking cash in there. That's, that's a business. And it's just, that's your business model anyway, but it was youth engagement really. So like these ideas, almost all of them came from youth or youth complaining about not being able to access the festivals because they're either really expensive or they're happening in bars. So they, all their mm. art heroes and music heroes are coming to town. They can't go because it's a licensed event or it's unaffordable. So that was that's why Emerge exists, right? So we were like, oh well, what do you th- what if we put together a festival that integrates professional artists in a conference, even for you guys, like mm. focusing on the topics that you're concerned about that are really relevant to your interests and to young people's musical interests or where they're at business and development wise, you know? So Emerge exists because of the young people complaining about the lack of access mm. to those venues. So 
and every program basically is that, right? So, and Hub came about because there was nowhere to go and be around like-minded artists to where we are all just artists and business, you know, encouraging each other and supporting each other. Th those places are usually like studios and cafes and small spots all over the place. Like our, us artists, we gather and convene in the most random places. So <laughs> that's very true. So Hub was really an attempt to be like, well, look, here's a one spot at least or once a week where we can all get together to help each other, whether it's like business or mental health or just connecting to people who vibe with you because you have a creative mind. Mm. And uh, um, before COVID, there were like specific days people would meet at the Hub. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we've been pretty inactive during COVID. Unfortunately, we we kind of ramped things back up in the fall again, and then got hit with that second wave. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're just kind of, you know, um, I miss it so much. I think all of our staff and our community does. So we're looking <laughs> at kind of getting organized and and reopening here eventually at some point to get together in person. But I mean, yeah. before that, Wednesday nights was the big night, and we would do a lot of things like um, shows and performances sometimes. Uh, and again, these are all young people, all these artists hanging out together being like, why aren't we performing? So then we're like, all right, cool. Like, let's do a show series um, or like mentorships, you know, having artists come in to do a bit of a talk or, mm -hmm. or just hang out and just kind of like get to know different creatives and how they work. The mm -hmm. T. Thomason and Ben Kaplan and uh, a bunch of different people came through. And I mean, Rini Smith's always come through for a merge a bunch. Um, but also also like grantors, like we would have folks from the provincial government from community cultures and heritage and arts Nova Scotia and, and these different groups come in to explain uh, what their programs were and like, how do you access that? And what do you have to do to be able to access funds yeah. um, or, or business people coming in explaining like just business strategies and that kind of thing, or social justice, Dorico Simons came in and really talked about how, you know, you can leverage creativity and ideas and spoken word um, to address injustice in the world. So, and, and again, these are just topics that all those topics and these artists are, are based off of the interests or the problems that like our members identified and what they were. Mm. So hubs always kind of, it, like our specific activities changed, changed all the time. Yeah. And honestly, sometimes it was just hanging out. It was just like 20, 30 people in room having a big intense conversation, mm. you know, and, and it, yeah. And like Manger and uh, Chevy price and, and some of the artists who really created that space and defined it for us. Like they were, like I obviously helped a lot every time I could in the background. I'm really passionate about it, but it was really their leadership and their design and their kind of like setting the cultural tone of like how we're going to be together. I'm, I'm very like, you know, when I'm doing youth stuff, I used to be anyway, very kind of organized. I want to have like a circle and do things on a really strict schedule. And like, uh, this is my training, yeah. you know, but I quickly found out when Chevy Majek like really got me to stop doing that and to back off. And <laughs> they're like, no, dude, you're killing the vibe. So. <laughs> anyway, so they really established this amazing culture and like, it was just so joyous, you know, and we were yeah. as likely talking about arguing about basketball or art or, or having fun or talking about what we were doing as we were to, the, uh, you know, engage in talks about systemic racism or homophobia. Mm. You know, it was really, it was really, I was really so impressed with that environment they created where you could go from these big, deep, intense topics to fun topics to sharing to you know a spontaneous cypher just this creative joyous environment and yeah you know, i'm talking a lot better because I, I miss popping into that every now and then they're just knowing <laughs> it but like uh when covid happened we can um yeah cute our connection kind of did like an online version uh imagine was running that 
what was the idea be behind that pivot at least for the couple of weeks uh when things were done online yeah yeah we did instagram live basically at the same time for about two or three months uh when covid began um you know what, I think like we ran hub like every day, every Wednesday, like we're, no matter what, pretty much for about two or three years. We, I think we'd take two weeks off for Christmas, but like, you know, we would run out of funding and just keep going. And it, it, I think it's, we all really wanted to be like consistent. Mm -hmm. And so we're like, yo, this, this is an important space. This is like needed and it's joys, whether there's five people there or 50. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like, I just don't think any of us like Maje, myself, anybody knew how to stop. So like, you know, pandemic happens and we're like, God, like we got to do something. And Mariah Pelly Smith was working with, with us at the time as well. So she created all those beautiful graphics from all the marketing and promo stuff. So like, so basically Mariah, Maje and I, between, you know, some of us were volunteering and most of us were laid off from volunteering at that point or collecting syrup. And then Mariah was had a couple hours left in her contract that pay for anyway this is a businessy behind the scenes stuff but but basically yeah, we just yeah. we wanted to keep going to connect with that with those community those artists you know and and Mazi did a phenomenal job i have to say like a few of those are saved on the hub page and watchable but uh yeah you know um yeah and we did that for a while but you know and after a while summer came and you know i think we all got a bit exhausted from everything online and you know it wasn't quite the same and uh so I think then we, we just Maje decided, you know what, let's just take a break for a while and, and just uh, do other stuff and you know, do other activities. And, you know, we'll we'll get her back in person when we can. Kind of yeah. Thing. You know, there's this organic feel to actually having the person there. And then we pretty much immediately had to go from meeting in people in person to like going, especially on Zoom to chat. And there's a slight disconnect there. So even though all, you know, the hub was doing a lot online, um, it helped that people knew that, okay, we had to keep this going. Uh, but then it's like, okay, we have to take a step back and analyze things. One thing, um, actually I'll come back to the hub, but before I come back to the hub, let's talk about you and the trombone. Like how did he get into music and why the trombone? That's the one you do like that, right? Yeah, the slide, yeah. Yeah, I'll try to send, find you a clip if you want. To, yes, of, please. An old please. one of me playing trombone. There's a couple on the internet. Uh, okay. They're kind of embarrassing for me a little bit because they're so old. It was, <laughs> it was my 27 year old self. And uh, anyway, but that was such a fun time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, honestly, at the beginning, it was just like a school thing, something to do with school. And, uh, you know, like I was, I was an all right student and stuff in junior high and high school. Uh, but I didn't really know this yet, but I was really like an entrepreneur and musician and artist, as in, uh, I eventually just had so much, uh, challenge, I think like learning, um, about abstract stuff that was all sort of theoretical, just sitting there absorb, trying to absorb and accumulate knowledge mm. that didn't really have an application yet. Like I understood as a kid and you're like, all right, well, I'm just learning stuff. Cause that helps me become an adult <laughs> eventually. Like, yeah. all right. But like music, when you learn music, it's like, you know, can you play that note? Yes or no? Like, mm. uh, you know, when you're in a band, are you contributing to it? Is it, there's, it's just like instant feedback, you know, when your test is like, go play a gig, whether mm. that's in high school or, you know, like one of those school concerts or something else. So I really think, so in school at the beginning, I think I was so attracted to it because it was like with other people and it was fun and there was adventure. We could go on tours and stuff or 
be able to even just get a class to go and play a show at a competition, like whatever was going on through the school. And it was just like, mm -hmm. I wanted to do all of it. Um, it was way more, I just had so much fun, you know, it was like so mm -hmm. fun compared mm -hmm. to the other kinds of learning I was experiencing in school. <laughs> so I think that was my original draw. And then eventually I started to get like good, you know, and I got some skill and, uh, there was this moment at a festival and I got a big compliment when I was playing tuba, uh, for this orchestra and, oh. and then suddenly everybody was telling me I should go to music school and I was like, Oh, music school, what's that? And like, yeah, you can like <laughs> literally go to university and study it. And if you practice and audition, you can get scholarships and stuff like that to get in, you know, to be able to afford it and everything. <clears throat> and anyway, so I did all that and I practiced my butt off and got into some schools and started studying, became a professional musician. It was, it was just, you know, it wasn't really the plan from that get go or for me or anything. I was just like, I followed my, my gut and my joy and that kind of thing. And just no idea what an artist was like. I didn't really consider myself an artist for a long time. Yeah. Mm. Why anyway, not? Went through, yeah. At the end of that school journey, basically, then I just got involved as a trombone player. Like I, I really, I didn't, I figured out that I didn't really like the orchestra world and that whole classical world. It wasn't oh. really for me. It wasn't my vibe. So, okay. and that's what school was training me for. So there was kind of the disconnect there. So really I found myself, I think as a musician afterwards, being in community, playing in bands and choirs and writing music and composing and where it was like fun and people again, and interacting and uh, not in those formal stuffy settings, yeah. uh, you know, where it's more athletic kind of playing, but more like expressive and fun and, uh, you know, in bars and parties and uh, events and festivals and that's I found my joy there to be honest yeah mm -hmm. um and uh yeah I I really look forward to those clips it'd be, it'd be cool to see <laughs> like um I mean when, when you were you know when you joined the school band um did you have a choice on what instrument to play and if you did why did you decide to choose a trombone <laughs> uh, so I'd actually I moved a couple times when I was a kid we used to move a lot and I played clarinet for a year actually mm -hmm. uh, but then I, I moved back into town where I had some my old friends uh, from St. Catherine's school and we were all at Fairview Junior High mm -hmm. in Halifax and uh, when I got there and suddenly there was a band again but they had started it in grade 7 instead of grade 6 and so I was like oh well I don't really want to be away from my friends with the older kids playing clarinet because I was ahead of mm -hmm. year so I was like, I'll play some new instrument and start over. Uh, socially, I was a very social kid. I wanted to be with my friends. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and then I think, I don't know, I was going to play something else. And three or four of my friends were going to play, you know, drums or saxophone or something. But then, you know, it's just band teacher, grade seven, this teacher's like, oh, my God, I have no brass. And he's just like, please, somebody play brass. And just kind of begging <laughs> us. You know, we're just like these kids, like the 12-year-old just being like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, so three of my friends and I were like, all right, let's 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 play trombone. That looks cool. I'm like, sure, let's just do that. So we, we begged the class and we three of us put up our hands. And we're like, let's be the trombone section. And that's kind of how it, that all started. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I actually do like it. So I, I, I usually say the trombone and the trumpet, uh, they're kind of overlooked. But when it's used right, it just, it sounds so good. It sounds so yeah. good. Um, especially, you know, sometimes I don't know what that thing is called, but like you're playing the trumpet and then you have like a cup in front of the thing. Yeah, the mute. I love yeah, that sound. I love that sound. I don't know, but I fucking love that sound. I bet it's a <laughs> harmony mute you're probably thinking, like the Miles Davis stuff and like. There those, you go. Like, yeah. Yeah, harmony mutes. Yeah. There's a lot of different kinds of mutes you can stick in your bell, but 
I think that harmony mutes the cool jazz sound that like so, got so ubiquitous and famous. Yeah, yeah freaking love it. Um, so <laughs> you 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 said that you know even back then you were kind of like an artist and you were seeing it as a business. In what way for you? Uh, I think I just like love playing so much. I was I was just kind of doing what everyone told me to do. As far as like, I had no idea how to be a musician at all, like zero. Right? I was just I like playing music. But playing music and like expressing yourself and getting good at playing is very different from like, you know, having a career and living as a musician. And mm. uh, in the worlds I was in, in university and stuff, like no one ever, no one, like no one was teaching me how to be a musician. They were just teaching me how to play, you know, and how to read and like all these hard skills. Uh, <laughs> so for a long time, I was just like playing. And then when I moved into music composition, I was just writing. It's just like, it was, it was a really joyous time, to be honest. I lived in this house with all these really weirdos in Wolfville, like in this kind of, it was a very like jockey sort of town at the time, right? Really sports and football, small town. So kind of us weirdos, artsy people with like long hair and weird clothes and stuff. We all kind of found each other and then lived in this bizarre house that was very chaotic. Like it's almost like a psychedelic dream when I think about it now. Um, <laughs> just like you know and creating instruments and like soldering stuff and like almost setting things on fire and like there's an artist living with us and she would like paint was painting and throw it in the backyard and destroy it and then pick it back up and paint it again and it was just, <laughs> we just had this like couple a year or two there where anything you could be anything like this the liberation i think of us mm. all accepting this identity as weirdos and artists and then leaning into it mm. it was just like so like no it, you know, it was a different time too, right? So no phones, no social media yet. There was no people like yelling at each other online and like none of that existed, right? So we we're just very with each other, present, just creating and making together with mm. without any worldwide distractions. We we're in Wolfville, this tiny town, not much access to the outside world for like news. It was, so it was very like incubating kind of. Mm -hmm. You're in this like, you create your own world when that happens, I think. And you're disconnected yeah. from everything else. Yeah. So you know, that was for me like that we really formed as, artists and creative humans at that point mm. and then the business stuff all came much later so after i graduated school and for me that was much more related to like sitting in my room with an existential dilemma at 25 not knowing <laughs> what to do with my life isn't but... it too early to have that <laughs> oh yeah no, i was 22 to 27 i was just like oh like I wasn't very, I was very introverted, right? I was very shy, very sensitive. So I'm not like out there hustling, meeting people, trying to go in like venues and give them a card. Like I, that was not me. I was just like a introvert, weirdo trombone player, you know? And, and to be honest, I used alcohol a lot and like and stuff like that, like to sort of self-medicate around anxiety, social anxiety. So like, mm. you know, so for a long time, I would kind of pretend that like drinking and that kind of thing was like, this fun, cool musician thing to do. But actually I was just kind of so terrified at the beginning of mm. playing and meeting people in an introvert, like in an extrovert world and profession. Like I kind of used alcohol yeah. a lot to kind of deal with myself there. So it, was, it wasn't, wasn't a very healthy setup for a long time, you know, until mm. later on when I realized, you know, I was like, oh, okay, like I don't, I keep telling myself I'm networking and by drinking as a part of it, but like, you don't remember anything if you drink too much. Like there was, <laughs> yeah, there was no networking going on, but I could remember anyway, right? So yeah, just, yeah, just full transparency on that one. That, that that was quite a struggle to stop drinking like that, and just so I think once I stopped drinking though, once I, you know, kind of calmed down a bit and rooted myself and dealt with my existential dilemma and got more into youth work. Like I think I just got a lot of grounding from just like working with 
teenagers and youth with Hartwood and then the libraries and stuff. And I think that kind of helped me like calm down a little bit and realize I was going to be okay maybe. And I always had youth work, even if artists, you being a musician didn't work out because it was so scary for me in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, but then once I got rooted, I think then I kind of discovered a new way of feeling about art and stuff, right? I had a little bit of security and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it wasn't until even after that, I didn't really wrap my head around being a business as an artist until I was more like 28, 29. And then yeah. I started getting very serious about bands and music. And, and I eventually quit my secure full-time job at the library in Spryfield as the team guy because I really wanted to go tour. And, and, and you know, in the late 2000s in Halifax, it was like a really cool music scene. There was, it was kind of like the Arcade Fire era and all these kind of folk musicians and stuff that I was a part of, this whole scene in the North End. Mm -hmm. um, it was really cool. Yeah, for five or six years, there's all these singer-songwriters and all of us, kind of a huge, like, really cool, like, wave of us kind of coming through, I think. And I was in, like, 10 bands and playing the wow. jazz fest and touring and playing with indie bands and reggae bands and just, like, whoever needed horns, basically, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was... Then it was fun. And then I started thinking about money and, like, having agents and stuff like that and, being, and starting to be like, oh, okay, like... And, you know, watching my bank account and noticing that on, you know, on a tour, we were lucky if we broke even most of the time you're losing money. Um, but just started thinking about money at that point. Right. And quite late. <laughs> That's also <laughs> why I'm so passionate about helping art, artists now, like think about you just develop, even if you're not great at business, just developing the entrepreneurial mindset. Right. So yeah. that you can at least understand that you're an entrepreneur as an artist, you know, yeah. you, and you can get that understanding. It's an easy understanding to develop. It's not difficult. Mm -hmm. you, just, you just need someone to hold your hand a bit and walk you through it. Or, or people like me certainly did because I had no clue, mm -hmm. you know, so you can do that with people when they're like 12, 15, I think. And I just think helping people understand like what entrepreneurism is in context to being an artist and how do you kind of mitigate or bring those two worlds together? Like just that learning and that like approach yeah. and that just the mentality is just so essential. And um, maybe it's different now, but like no one's teaching us anything like that. It was just kind of, you figured it out or you didn't, you know, and you succeeded or you didn't, but there's no help at all or anything like that. And and that's a good uh, bridge, a conduit that you, our connection is giving to you these days um, because I talked to, actually had um, Jaden Austin in the sanctuary a couple of days ago and oh, cool. talked about his experience in the entrepreneur uh, program and like one thing he mentioned that he always came back to was like what is his value like what are his values and i'm like oh yeah. wow you know if you have a program that teaches you how like okay start with what your value is and then build from there that's a great program so i'd like to talk about appreneur it's in this year's version that is now online so yeah. let's start about how it started and uh what is different with this year since it's online yeah I'm, I'm glad Jaden talked about values because I am, you know, and, and that's a free secret, just giving it away to all the business education people in the world that uh, when, when we started our printers at the beginning, it was just four youth that we experimented a bit with. And then we grew it pretty quickly the next year up to 15, 16. And that was quite like a really cool cohort. Um, but at the beginning when we were, we didn't, cause we didn't have any curriculum or programming yet. Right. So we were just like, looking around to see what was out there like there's this business model canvases and there's a bunch of different kind of tools and then we kind of put that together with our own experiences to develop like a basic approach and a curriculum for how do you teach business to artists and one of the first things we really narrowed down on pretty fast by the second or third round was that 
we had to start off every program talking about, uh, you know, values um, or some word that means that for people, right? Because um, uh, I think a lot, a lot of traditional business programs and approaches don't necessarily even ever get to speaking about values, um, or if they do, it's usually late. Mm-hmm. Versus, I think artists, I think most of us need to like have that conversation immediately. Yeah. Um, because I found, because otherwise, like, you know, a lot of us are very critical thinkers, I think, right? And you grow up, like, thinking, you know, like, you become an artist. If you're becoming an artist, like, people have, like, begged you not to because you're going to be poor, like, you know, because yeah. that's stigma. So yeah, we've already made yeah. a decision, like, screw money. Like, like I'm going to do this, like, regardless. Like, so that's mm-hmm. that's who you're dealing with when you're dealing with an artist, usually. Yeah. And that usually means that they have, like, for me especially, and I know a lot of others, like, a complicated relationship with money. And with mm-hmm. income and with like this idea of selling out or just that kind of the, I think all of us look at the corporate world of just like making money no matter what as the main priority is like kind of depressing. Yeah. Um, so you need to discuss values so that the main thing is that so people understand like, how do you want to make money? If you're going to be an artist making money and making income, like how are you going to do that? So you still get to feel really good about your art the whole time, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you don't sort out the question and you don't really think that through, and come up with a big list of the ways that is cool to make money for you in ways that's not cool. And uh, if you don't like really sort yourself out on that, then it can be really hard. Like you might get a, a great money opportunity and then just say yes, cause you're so broke and you're, you need the cash. But then like yeah. afterwards realize you compromise your values and your art was misrepresented you and you maybe were part of something you didn't really want to be. And then you mm-hmm. feel terrible, you know, and living with that crappy feeling is just not worth the money like for most artists. So yeah. to make that decision, you have to work through all, all those, those values anyway. Yeah. So like, so that was such a big part of it. A lot of the other learning is pretty standard. It's pretty, you know, like thinking about your idea and your elevator pitch and your audience. Um, the, the only other, the really big thing that we did at the beginning, uh, again, too, is like really try to center real artists. Um, and also, and because of the youth engagement arc our model, you know, you were always trying to make sure that whoever's teaching it kind of reflects the people and the community and the art types and stuff like that of the learners, right? So that first and second cohort, there's a lot of hip hop kids in it, for example. Um, and, uh, and I just met Chevy Price actually. And so Chevy, I was trying to convince at the beginning to be in the program. I was like, oh, cool. Like she seems dope. Like maybe she'd like to learn business stuff, but I talked to her for a couple of minutes and she was still like 18 or something like that. Or 19 but you know it was pretty clear pretty quickly that she was like gonna be a very good educator and a teacher and that kind of thing so <laughs> i think after 10 minutes I was like actually maybe we could find some money and pay you to help kind of mentor and teach this program with us so i think that was always just really important for the approach the entire time right so if you have a bunch of hip-hop kids i can teach them business i can give them some basic business knowledge but i'm not like a hip-hop head that i'm a trombone player i'm something else so like we really, you know, we knew, okay, we got to find like more like a rapper or like a producer or something like that to like yeah. teach these hip hop, these kids who are into hip hop. Cause you know, they're just, uh, you know, I might be the nicest guy or nicest guy or whatever with some decent information, but I think it's just harder to learn. It's easier to learn, especially for youth when you're trying to figure out your values and all this stuff. If, if people reflect your art form and your identity. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that I mean that was that was always like quite important. And when we strayed away from that, like it's never been as good. And you know, we've <laughs> I've tried lots of different kinds of instructors, but I'm like, oh man, like now nah, it works way better when the instructor is really relevant to them, even if they're newer at teaching, mm-hmm. you know. Mm. Uh and then what's the changes for these years version as online? 
Yeah, well, yeah, so this, I mean, we had to figure that out with COVID, right? We had been developing an app and some of that stuff anyway to try to, like, take advantage of online resources and spaces. Yeah. And then it forced it last year, so we had to cancel all these other things we were doing and just switch to trying to figure out how to teach online. Mm. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised, so I ran, I just helped run that first version of it in the fall, and now Chevy's running it again uh, mm. with an assistant from Bailey uh, from NASCAD, and they're running it now right at this moment online. Um, and, uh, I was actually really pleasantly surprised that you can't actually have a genuine connection with people. And, and cause a lot of the learning, honestly, besides the knowledge and the, and the stuff you're getting, it's really about networking. It's a social opportunity, a social learning environment. And for yeah. people who like to learn socially and with others and, you know, like who absorb information better in those kinds of settings, like that's really what it's about. Yeah. And it wasn't super clear. Like, is, is that going to work online? Are we going to have that social <laughs> cohesion and that yeah. peer support? Yeah. I just didn't know, but honestly, I was like, I was like, oh no, I think like we've maybe we just adapted by the time we started it in the fall, but like mm. it, it was working, and we, it was an amazing group of young artists that I got to work with in the fall, and they have another great cohort now, and actually there's like twenty or thirty people who we couldn't let in just because of numbers, but like they're all really cool and all really qualified, so now we're also trying to figure out, oh, okay, maybe we should just start doing like hub, but like an online drop in for everybody who you know we would love to be in the program but we just couldn't pick them this round or maybe alumni yeah, yeah. we're brainstorming yeah. also all this other stuff too so the course is running fine online it's cool people are learning creating products we have like and we always have an event for our printers at the end where people present and sell their stuff so they can actually practice making money in the program mm -hmm. um so that'll still happen online event and everything wow but but so the same problem though now is like where do you go after and where do you hang out after we've created like a discord channel so to oh. maybe try to start building an entrepreneurs community in there okay i haven't really posted that or announced it yet it's just alumni who are starting to go in there and we're just playing around in there a bit so that might be that maybe that grows and becomes quite a big kind of like vibey scene you know where we can all use discord and discord's like a chat program right that gamers created but now kind of the rest of us are all kind of like being oh that's cool actually it's it's not like facebook or instagram where it's like social where you're you're public and you're telling your, your story to the whole world or your friends it's more like it's more like you're in a room together or in a yes, building together yes. and just hanging out. So it's, yeah, it's like, a, it's like, a, especially when you're working with cohorts, it's great. I, I just found out about Discord myself recently. Uh, Ryan, you're a very busy person and I know you have lots on the go because we had to actually pause a bit because you were on a call and I, you have another call to go on to now. Uh, but before I let you go, you touched on the two um uh, uh principles of of yak of utah connection so you touch on youth engagement and innovation uh, i'd like you to you know end this by talking a little bit more about partnerships and diversity and why that's important yeah. to Utah connection yeah thanks for bringing me back to that yeah so our core pillars have been youth engagement innovation diversity and partnerships and and we we made those values after a couple of years of doing things and we looked back and said what are the essential ingredients for like how our programs run and, and what are the things that really make us successful that we can that if we take any of them away i will it would you know kind of break our model and i explained mm -hmm. youth engagement and, and innovation as being creative and to me the word innovation or creativity it's like don't we're not don't just do the same old program or same style just because that's what's been done before like be mm -hmm. open to trying new things which is really good for youth right because youth have new ways of doing things all the time and if you know yep, that yep, yep you just let them do what they want. Like they'll run with it. Uh, mm -hmm. so diversity, um, we've always just 
tried to bring together different minds, different life experiences, you know, different ages, different cultural backgrounds, different art types, uh, all into the room. Um, I think I learned in my youth engagement practice earlier that when, when you form a new group of people together or you're, you're building a community, Mm -hmm. um, if people are all very similar to each other and kind of come from similar backgrounds and whatever that means in that group, Mm -hmm. um, there's kind of like a set culture that's already there that ends up like really taking over. Like that's, that, that'll be the dominant culture, right? If eight, eight out of 10 people all are from the same neighborhood, like Mm -hmm. it's going to feel like that neighborhood or, you know, like in, in the room. Um, but when you really try to really intentionally diversify it, so bringing people together who are quite different from each other in many ways, um, the impact and the, you know, everyone has to kind of like, it forces everybody to kind of like make their own new standards, right? And figure out, okay, how are we going to be together mm. and like form a new culture that is its own sort of thing. So it gives everyone a chance to also define who they are, right? And uh, mm. and like and establish a bit of a negotiating going on. Um and, and it really works with arts. And I would say this to people because it might look like we do all these different programs and many different things. But at the end of the day, it's like there's this shared feeling, I think, that artists have with each other. And, and when we see each other, like we really we can really recognize each other quickly in, mm-hmm. in a different kind of way. Right. So so I always saw like a hub, you know, emphasizing like, you know, age diversity or community diversity or cultural diversity or, you know, whatever. But like but really everyone walked into that room because they were like making things and creating things and trying to build successful lives or make change with their art. Yeah. So it's cool because it's like the diversity part is like awesome. You're bringing all these different life experiences, all different walks of life. But then everyone realizes like, oh, we're actually like, we all, we all walk into the room first as artists, right? And then second as whatever other identities you carry, right? So, mm-hmm. and the other thing too, like around diversity in arts is that both artists and entrepreneurs, like individuality is like extremely valuable and important, right? Yeah. Like you might have groups where people like identify together as a group, but often we're our own personal story, our own personal journey is like really important to your artistic practice. Mm-hmm. So like individuality and uniqueness is like super valuable in arts, right? So it, it kind of helps us, I think, also just deal and sort out with like, you know, stigma, stigma and, uh, and, and racism and these kind of like ideas where you're attacking people for being different, you know, there's a lot of that going on in the world, obviously. Yeah. But I really, feel, I really feel like artists have a different way that where we can like, um, you know, uh, see each other. Uh, I guess, you know, it's not always true, but certainly in our community it was true. See each other, recognize each other, connect with each other first as that creative mindset, you know, and then, um, and then you come together afterwards, like with all of your differences, which are all really celebrated, you know, and they're, they're part of your value pitch. If you're, you know, if I'm going to go and uh, try to make money, then I, I want to tell everyone about the things that make me different from other people, right? That I play bass trombone or I played in these weird bands or, you know, what have I done differently or who am I that's different than uh, mm. other people? And I need to like emphasize that if I want to get gigs. Yeah. And so that's, um, to me, like diversity, like brings in so much impact like that, right? And and even the collective impact that we have all together, right? If we have all these different perspectives, you end up like having less blind spots too. So yeah, a group of us might try to do something, you know, but if we don't have really enough diversity in the room, we're totally going to miss some opportunities or some ideas Mm. where someone else is like, Oh, I know somebody from this group who could help us out or, Oh guys, no, 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 we should do it this way. Like, and because you, the pool of knowledge when you have a diverse room is like 
crazy in the networks and stuff like that. It's like, like you have a lot of access to mm -hmm. all these ideas and worldviews and power that will stop people from making mistakes. That'll educate each other. That will like make the outcomes better. That will take advantage of bigger networks. And mm -hmm. it just, it's just like, it makes sense business wise. It makes sense social impact wise. It makes sense community wise, like always to me to like emphasize that and to get and to always be working on the skills that you need in order to integrate uh, uh, all these different people. Cause that it can be challenging, right? If people don't understand each other and yeah. don't feel like each other, that can lead to conflict too. So it's, mm -hmm. so it's also have to be continually working on, you know, conflict resolution and integration and communication and all these skills that help us, you know, connect with each other across, you know, um, you know, those barriers, yeah. those differences. Oh, Ryan, and, uh, that, 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 you know, the, the way you are, I guess, what you're doing with your connection is important as myself I'm thinking uh, like if I had such a foundation years ago I, I think I'd be at a different trajectory now for sure Me too. Um, so the work you're doing is important thank you for doing it and for the team at your connection Marjay Chevy Price um, but like for people watching and listening where can they check out your connection yeah probably the most active place is going to be on Instagram so mm -hmm. at youth art connection um and we're on facebook at the same thing at youth art connection and twitter a little bit um, but twitter we're usually talking to business partners and that kind of thing but instagram we're talking to artists and youth and stuff like that mm -hmm. um, and uh, we update the website fairly often if you want to get more of a background or history and see more of those the staff and the board who like the the all how it all works and that stuff's all at youthartconnection.ca yeah um, i need to update that too because our, our list of partners <laughs> is a couple years old so I'm like, oh, it, it looks great it's a pretty it's like a really 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 well thought out plan and super pretty website ryan thank you so much for coming to the sanctuary and giving me so much of your time i'm really really grateful yeah thank you so much israel it's really great to be here